My guest Sam Esmail was the creator of the acclaimed television series Mr. Robot. I found the series to be extremely imaginative and spoke with him about it on my series for PBS. So, when I wanted to do an episode on creativity, I thought Sam would be a wonderful guest to talk with and get his take on the creative process and how we all can benefit by learning how to tap into our own creative process. As always, a very special thanks to my patrons who make this podcast possible. If you enjoy listening, please subscribe and visit my website, barrykibrick.com, to become a patron or just to get in touch with me. I love hearing from my listeners and promise to answer all your emails. Now enjoy the enlightened thinking of Sam Esmail. Sam, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. We had such a great time when you were here. We had a great time. And I know for myself that creativity is an interesting thing because A, I believe that everyone has it. But yet, there are people that are able to draw it out so that you expose an insight to humanity that is different. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it, hit the nail right on the head there because ultimately every choice that we want to make when we're making the show um, boils down to what are we trying to say. I mean, that's what I always sort of, with my costume designer, my production designer, my cinematographer, my actors, what are we saying? What are we doing? I mean, uh, other, you know, what, we're, we don't want to just be going through the motions. We want to say something. Otherwise, what is the point? Um, and, and it hopefully arrives at insight. But, and, and I don't know if we can ever always be that wise or that you know, um, insightful, but at least the attempt is there. And at least the attempt is there at every detail and on a, at every level. But as you say, I always have a problem almost with the word attempt or try, and I'll tell you why, because it's like trying to pick up this cup. Well, you, you're not trying, you pick up this cup. You don't try, you do it, Sam. There is a little bit of a difference. My son even came to me and he said, you know the thing I want to ask Sam? I said, what? Because I didn't even realize it. He said, Sam gives a lot of headroom to Elliot in the show. And, a lot, and I was, he was curious about what that was. So let's even start with that because that's a, a perfect example. I've, when I, after he said it, I noticed the two. There's not an attempt. There's a purpose that you did that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the purpose in that example is, you know, how do we get into Elliot's head? That's always that's always the question, and, and the, you know that's a choice when we do comp, when we frame our uh, uh, our, uh, our any of our actors or our characters. There's a, almost a secondhand nature to how you do that. Well, if you do a medium shot, it's this, and you have this lead room, and uh, you know characters, and here's the rule of thirds, and you know you almost have to stop at every turn and say, well, wait a minute, why are we doing that? That is that is robbing us of an interesting choice that we could be making that either in, gives us insight to our character or insight to the world or insight to the show. And that, so the, with this example of the headroom, well, I wanted, where inside Elliot's head, I wanted the world to feel a little off-kilter, a little off-centered, a little not 
you know, a little more uh, 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 disorienting than what you're typically used to. And so we made that choice to have that sort of be the visual style of the show. What do I do? Why did you start writing a journal in the first place? I thought it was the right answer. The right answer to what? Controlling my life. My wife, when she drove her car that day, she did everything right. She always wore seatbelt hands at 10 and 2. She was the most perfect driver I'd ever met. It was, it was annoying. She stayed in the lines, never went above or below the speed limit, stopped at traffic signs. She followed every rule. And then one day, none of that mattered. My son, when he's a filmmaker, and, and he looks at it oftentimes as every frame is its own picture. And then when I was again, through his eyes, watching Mr. Robot, I noticed that you also, it's not just the scene that you're thinking of, it's the frame by frame. Yeah. That's an amazing amount of detail. Is there a time when, in fact, do you get a paralysis of analysis sometimes with so much detail? Well, I, I, I don't believe in that. I think a lot of people do find the show a little intimidating because there's, it is a lot of detail and can feel dense. Um, but I feel like that's not, that, to me, that's not a problem. That's not an issue. Um, that's our job is to really enrich it with as many details as possible. Because, again, at the end of the day, I think we have to be saying something. I think the typical thing, some, or not the typical thing, but unfortunately the, a conventional uh, the conventional thinking sometimes is to document the action. You look at a scene, you're, and you know this person's got to say this, and then leave the room, and you're just trying to document that. I think there's so many more layers that you could do to fill that out. Well, what does it mean? What's the morality behind these choices? Even if it's as simple as you know a, a, a couple breaking up and one leaves. Well, what what are you trying to say other than just that? Because if you're just saying that, then you're not really saying anything. You used the word thinking a few times. One of the fun things I talk about with my son is the writing process. And we've both come to this conclusion that writing is thinking. It's, it's kind of funny. You have to do the craft eventually, put the pen to the paper. Yeah. But for the most part, what writing is and creating is thinking. Well, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I just did an interview with Creative Screenwriting and, you know, they, they kind of talk about the writing process and so they sort of asked me, what do I do? And I, I, I t told them nothing. Like most, most of it, I mean, most of it is not me at a keyboard typing the words down. Hours of it is me just sitting there thinking, me at a restaurant with Emmy thinking, me in a hotel room thinking, me on a vacation thinking. It's, it's constantly about 
problem solving and refining what you're trying to say and finding the story of what, you know, because when I have an inkling of what show or movie I want to make next, um, it comes from somewhere. And it's almost like I got to go through this analysis of where is that coming from deep in, down inside? What am I really trying to say? I think it's one thing. And, I, and by the end of it, I, it's almost ultimately something else, something deeper. But that's authenticity. That's almost the definition of authenticity. That is what enables us to relate to a man, if you, as I said, if you took him out of a series and just had this man next to you, you couldn't relate to Elliot. Right. But it's the authenticity that you give to art, to creativity. I think that is what does make it so relatable, no matter what the subject is. Yeah, I mean, authenticity is is a, is is a good word, especially given with our show. The, the you know the, the the whole element of hacking and technology we try to keep that keep the whole world uh, very authentic because I think in a lot of ways prior films and movies about hacking didn't do that but I think what you're talking about in a deeper sense is is he a real person and is he a person that I know one thing that I think again conventionally uh, we lean on plot a lot of times uh, way too much plot in inevitably has to make sense and you have to kind of understand it the audience has to kind of understand it but you don't remember plot you remember the characters and I really deeply believe that oh. and you remember what they're about and who they are and what choices they make bad or good um, and you and that will ultimately resonate more than the sequence of events that happen on the screen but that seems like the way that that resonates that way is because of all the drilling down yes. that one must do. You seem to, it, it, it's almost imperative that, and, and I think I want to share this with my viewers, that this is what they can do too, is when you have a creative concept, don't just let it float there as this creative concept. Drill down into it. Be curious about what it is. Be curious about what it is that you find interesting about it. I mean, that that's the one thing. I mean, there's this, like, this old way of, uh, this old Hollywood trick of, you know, taking two movies and, and, and coming up with, like, a high concept. Like, you know, uh, Jurassic Pause, I think, was a, was, a, <laughs> was a pitch at one point. Like, you know, it's Jurassic Park, but with, you know, uh, uh, wolves or something. And, you know, they try and mash up these two concepts until they find one that hits that's interesting. And then they make the thing. And then it kind of stays always on that su surface level. Um, and and, and you know, other times writers will, you know, in, in not, not such an obnoxious way, do it with other concepts. Oh, you know, I really want to tell this story about this thing I've never seen in, in, in a movie or TV show, and I, I, I kind of want to explore that, and I think it'd be cool. Okay, that's the first sort of blush at what you should do. Before you do, really do pen to paper, it's now drilling down to well, why is that interesting? Why is that something that you either will think would be entertaining, but, but on a deeper level, why, why is it relevant? Why is it necessary to bring up and talk about and spend millions of dollars and a ask an entire crew of people to come together and produce this thing? I mean, you're asking a lot for people to make this. What is the relevant sort of, you know, the, the thing that must be said about this story? And the beauty seems to be that blending of that talent that is required to do the drilling and then the craft itself. Right. We forget that there's, in, in every field, from teaching to law, from medicine to show business, it, 
people, as we started the show, are creative. But how do you blend that craft and talent to get to that creative moment where it is released? See, to me, I, I always, t you're absolutely right, you know, and I, I don't really know how you define talent because I've seen a lot of movies where the craft is impeccable. And there's, a, there's actually a great TV show on uh, right now where I, I watch it obsessively because the craft from everything from the directing to the writing to the performances is just so great and executed on a almost near flawless level. But I don't know if on a deeper level it resonates with me. And sometimes I prefer uh, a movie that maybe isn't like the most polished, that maybe is a little messier, but there's something about it that's wild, that's, that resonates with me in a way and, and doesn't let me go and shakes me up. But how, do, how does one know? I have so many creative people that watch the show or at least want to be creative. That's the other problem too. There is a time when one has to say, do I have the right stuff? What, there, I, I find there's, there's the internal element, in my opinion, when you're a writer, a director, a filmmaker, you almost have no choice. If you're going to really bear your creative soul, it's because you couldn't go into a corporation and work. You had to do what you had to do. But then there's always that second guessing, do I have the right stuff? And that balance, and where do you find it? Is it within, is it without, is it a combination? Any filmmaker who's good and self-aware of themselves at whatever level they're at probably still has that, do I have it? Do I, do I still have it? Um, maybe I had it before, but do I have it now? I think the right question is, do I have something I desperately need to say that cannot be said by anybody else? So that goes back to then the, the part where I said you almost have no choice. Right. If you are going, you, you almost don't have, you're right. You don't even have to ask that question right. because it's a non-question. Well, I remember when people would say, because this, you know, this happened a lot to me as, you, as you're growing up and you keep telling your parents and your friends, I want to be a filmmaker. Well, the, <laughs> the, uh, the obvious thing would, that most people say is, well, okay, and if that doesn't work out for you, uh, what do you do? And my response was always, I'll just die trying, I guess. Because I wasn't ever, go I never thought about Oh, a, a war, an alternative. I never thought of a plan B. I mean, I could always get day jobs and pay for rent or whatever. But at the end of the day, I was always a I was always a filmmaker inside me because that's what that that's what I needed to do. To you know, that's what I needed to do to sort of fill the thoughts in my head. And um and 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 you know, uh, that could be a dangerous thing to tell people, especially people who are kind of getting up there in age and they still are hanging on to wanting to be a filmmaker. And I say. It's great to be dangerous, especially about something like this. It's great to be dangerous and passionate about this. You can't succeed without it. It's just that. And by the way, like you said, doesn't matter how long it takes. It's not. And by the way, success could be measured many ways. You may reach just one person on a YouTube. It doesn't matter. Right. If it's what you got to do, it is what you have to do. Right. I mean, when you and then you, you know to talk about that in terms of what you create, uh, you know, I think the uh, another misstep I see people do, and it's it's tempting, is you want to cater to the audience. You do a lot of fan service. You think you come up with a concept because you think that's what people will like. And again, it goes back to like our older conversation about Elliot. 
you really got to do it for yourself. You really got to tell the story that you know you like deep down, that you're, you've got the integrity on, your line, on the line and that you're not trying to do fan service or you're not trying to uh, outsmart the audience and figure out what they think, what you think will be popular. I mean, that is the wrong way. And, th and that ultimately is sort of a misguided way of even trying to be in the industry in the first place. I think ultimately it comes from you. What do you want to see? What, is it, what isn't out there that you think you can fill? But yet, we're human beings and rejection. Yeah. Rejection in the business we're in is the thing you face more than anything else. You can't help it. I mean, it's just part of it. So there has to be an, an internal mechanism that allows a person to rise up above that. And I think if anything, that's something I want to share with people that you can't be, and you mentioned before, I don't care if you're a 70 year old filmmaker and you haven't made that film yet. If that's what you got to do, you got to do it. But it still is a, a painful as a human being to deal with it. So there has to be a certain element of tenacity, of, of, of never giving up kind of feel within oneself. Uh I think rejection is key. I mean, look, I, my middle name is rejection. I've, I've been rejected numerous times. That, whatever that brings, I mean, think about the filmmaker, and there are a couple of filmmakers out there that got it, you know, they're at however young they were, and they were essentially never rejected. Um, it's, and, and just forget about filmmakers, people in general. There are those people that just kind of coast through life but the people, the, the but the art and the and the and the and the movies and the TV shows and the books and the 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 characters that I relate to the most are the people that do get rejected, uh, the people that have gone through struggle and that have conflict in their lives that had to overcome. That is so rich. Rejection can be really rich to art. I I I actually think it's really essential for art to be really good is to have that sort of pain that goes with rejection. And so anytime, and I really encourage anybody who's gonna go into any sort of creative field, you get rejected by somebody, the minute you do, the minute you start feeling hurt or feeling pain, use that. Use that, remember it, remember that feeling, write it down, take a picture, whatever it is that you need to do, because I guarantee you that's gonna help the next piece of art, book, whatever it is that you're trying to make. Uh, I think it's gonna really help you really understand what that means. Oh, that, wow, that's beautiful, Sam, that is beautiful. Uh, th now, though, let's play something. Let's go in the opposite direction okay. with success. I told you I, in the green room that I, I recently had James Gunn on the show, James Gunn, the director yeah, of uh, Guardians, Guardians of, of the Galaxy. Yeah. And jokingly, I know this was what he was saying, he said, but, but then he said, no, I'm being serious. We were talking about, uh, the. I gave him a line from the film, and he then went on a, beautiful tangent off of that line where he had to, him and Chris Pratt, after the success of the first one, they had to really work hard at staying humble. And I think that's an interesting element because when you hit success, boy, if you all of a sudden lose it and it goes to your head, that'll be as detrimental way more. In fact, it's the opposite of rejection. It would have a negative effect if you didn't realize that it's still not all you. Right. It's the blessing. It's whatever it is, spiritual, social, soulful, whatever you want to call it. That's what's got to remain in there. And I bet you that's pretty hard to do. 
It is hard to do, um, especially because uh, you, at the level of James Gunn or even, uh, you know, at, at the level uh, of Mr. Robot, there you're in a you're, everything's out in the open. It's public now, so your successes and failures are under a huge, you know, magnifying glass. Um, and you so you, so you do have to have that. But it goes back to what I'm saying. You cannot cater, you cannot do fan service to the audience. You have to know what you believe is good. And you have to be honest with yourself when you know what you did wasn't great. And what if you didn't appreciate it, if you didn't like it, you could have done better. Um, so those go hand in hand. And so, I mean, you know, with Mr. Robot, season one, critically acclaimed. Season two had, had sort of mixed, a mixed response. What I know deep down, and what I know that like the, our writers and our, our team knew, is that we felt season two was stronger than season one. I mean, we really, really believed that. Um, it doesn't change the fact that sort of the perception out there that it wasn't. Um, but at the end of the day, if you hold on to that core, that it's got to be about how you feel and the integrity of what you like, uh, what resonates with you. Um, it, you know, I think that's the only way to go through a creative process like that. Otherwise, you start contaminating that with what you think other people are going to like or not like. So, in that sense, it is the enthusiasm and passion within that truly is the creative force. It absolutely, and the integrity. You know, I'd, add, I'd throw that in there. You know. Yeah, we said that authenticity. That yeah, integrity, authenticity. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think those three things combined trumps anything else. Craftsmanship, skill. I think all that can kind of come after. But those are the three sort of, you know, the the three keys to getting to getting to getting your story told. So when you have the inspiration, that's the thought. Those three things then have to fill in that. And, and help you drill down, you know, it takes work. I mean, you can have all the enthusiasm uh, and authenticity that you want, but then you got to do the work with that, that, that those things require of it. You know, you can't just, you can't just, again, go on first blush. Oh, here's the idea. I'm so inspired. Um, I'm so enthusiastic about it. And I, I believe it to be true. Well, the, that's where the authenticity, I think, really kind of drill. No, to be really authentic about it, it you got to drill down and think about why it is that you want to tell this story. And, and, and then that starts to reveal even more interesting answers and re really, really start to give credibility to what you are trying to, trying to do on an authentic level. And it will make you more enthusiastic about what you're trying to say. Sam, I want to thank you for your enthusiasm you. and your this passion. Just you, you, you've enlightened me and my audience, and I, I am so grateful. Thank you.